fire. And he's going to run it and keep it himself. Reed is all by himself. Give him six. Jordan Reed. Second and goal. Johnson. Sprinkle. Touchdown. Reed. He's going to the end zone. Has a man open. Dixon down the middle. Caught. Touchdown. Josh Johnson to the goal line and into the end zone for a Washington touchdown. You heard the music. You heard the intro. We are back officially for another week. The Josh and Jordan podcast. I am your host, Jordan Reed, alongside my co-host, Josh Johnson. And we do have a extra. We have an extra co-host in the background. <laughs> Josh Littleman is in the background. You know, he, want, he wanted to join the episode. So you might hear some words from him in the background. But try your best not to pay him any attention. I believe he's watching SpongeBob in the background right now trying to keep him occupied but that's the fun thing about podcasts and this is definitely a journey so but josh how's everything going with you um going good got a little uh wrench in the system right now <laughs> doing me so well we trying to make it work everything good though <laughs> that's what that's so, what happens with yeah, this parenting, podcasting parenting thing, and so. podcasting <laughs> parenting and podcasting Hey, we might need to rename it to that, but I didn't put, or I should say, we got a whole bunch of topics that we do want to get to today, but I did not put one topic in there on purpose, and that's Marcus Peters getting traded to the Baltimore Ravens. He, I know that y'all both are guys that are from the same area in Oakland. I'm sure you guys are very close, just like I know how a lot of you guys are in that area, but... I don't necessarily want to ask you about Marcus, but I know you've been in situations where you had to go from one team one week and then pick up your stuff and go to another team the next. So just talk about that entire experience and just pull the curtain back a little bit for us and maybe tell us some things that we might not have known previously about the situation. Um, well, I've never been traded, so I've always changed teams by getting released. And uh, I know the first time was like – I thought it was the end of the world, bro. Like, I had a slow walk, a million things going through my mind. Uh, hella frustrated, hella upset, but still wanted to be a professional. And now, I mean, I've had probably got the most transactions in the league. I'm still not used to it because, I mean, I've been on some teams right now. I'm just there for temporary, so that really is not the same. But, like, the times where I actually felt like I've done the right things and I should be there, like, even in Detroit. So it never gets easy, but and that's just from a player standpoint. But then when you start diving into the living situation, the family, I mean, to me, you gotta like sit back and take a deep breath, and you gotta like you gotta like find a focus, like for me, find a positive thing to type, type of really to focus on that, to where you can not really worry about the things that really you had no control over if, if your team decides to move on. I know it's a million questions that probably going through your head. Are you still good enough? Am I good enough? And to me, this is, I think you have, to me, it was, a, I, for myself, I found the ability that I should not really learn, like myself. And I found, like, because it was a trying situation. It was, it was stressful. And I really learned a lot about myself and really learned about what I wanted to do next in regards to football and how I wanted to handle it and how was I going to handle these situations. And I've, I've experienced a lot of growth from it. In regards to baby cut situation, I mean, like I know he gonna he gonna all he gonna try to do is grow and get better. I mean he ain't he ain't one to 
let adversity try to bring him down. Like, at the end of the day, where we come from as a town, it's a lot more way crazier stuff and real-life stuff that we feel like, you know, football is still a blessing. It's a game. So outside of the family stuff and, the, you know, the personal competitiveness, I mean, you eventually get over it, especially for guys like us who come from, you know, some crazy, crazy upbringings. And I'm I'm really glad you said it. we got to get him on the podcast, man. I know we're probably not going to be able to get Marshawn, but maybe we can get him on here in the offseason sometime. And we are going to start to get some people on here eventually. Once you get a little bit more comfortable with this entire thing, we're going to start to get some guests on here. And I always wonder, like, what it was like being in one situation one week and then, <laughs> and then having to go to an entirely different one another week. So I'm really glad that you shed light on a lot of those things just because as fans and I like to I like to of course compare it to Madden all the time some fans think it's just a typical jersey swap and they really don't take into account you know you got to move your family you got to move all this other stuff and it's just so much that really goes into it that we really don't think about and it's the same way with coach firings they just think that head coach is the guy that gets fired and really there's a trickle-down effect with assistants and everybody that's under this guy's tenure so it's really good to hear you say that, but that's a perfect segue to what one topic we were supposed to discuss today, and that's with Josh Rosen, a guy who was in a very similar situation that we were talking about. Now, he necessarily didn't get released. He was the guy that got traded from the from the Arizona Cardinals, who he was drafted by in the first round last year to the Miami Dolphins, and basically he went from a terrible situation to probably an even worse situation. So he's been fighting an uphill battle since his time in the NFL, and it just seems it's kind of unfair to him. But we know with the league, it's a game, and it is a business at the end of the day. And we know when the Cardinals, or what I, should, what I should say, when the Dolphins did trade for him, we already knew that it really was a trial period for him. And we know what the Dolphins are doing right now. It's not no secret. They're going to end up taking the quarterback early next year. Everyone knows that. That's the worst-kept secret out there right now. But just kind of put yourself in Josh Rosen's situation and maybe what he's thinking right now when maybe it kind of was fool's goal when he was traded from the Cardinals to the Dolphins and he took, he was he was selected by a team in the first round who had full trust in him and that's what happens when you get selected by a team in the first round that of course they have full trust in you but that quickly changed because Kyler Murray came along they got the number one pick and they ended up taking him and everyone knew they were not, not going to keep both of those guys just because of the political uh, aspect that came with it and then the backlash that would have came with it and the media circus that would have came with it as well. So there was just no way both of those guys were going to stay in the locker room together. We knew they eventually were going to ship Rosen off, but he goes to Miami. Everyone thought he was going to get a fair shot there, but you see they're flip flopping him and Ryan Fitzpatrick right now after they committed to Josh Rosen. Brian Flores, the head coach, even came out and said that he was going to be the starter for the rest of the year. And he only got three quarters after that. He was benched in the fourth quarter last week. So that just goes to show you how much uh, teams really don't necessarily believe in you, even though they say it through the media. So just put yourselves in Rose, just put yourself in Rosen's situation, and maybe just try to tell us what he's thinking right now. I don't personally know him, but hopefully, I think you got two different types of guys which I experienced. You got the mature guy, and you got the immature guy. Um, the mature guy, I mean, he probably going to look at it for what's really going on. Um, he's probably learned, you know, from, you know, the vets and other guys that's been there before him, maybe outside sources that, you know, things in the NFL can change. I like guess a weekly basis, like 
If you know the hidden NFL stands for not for long, if you really know what's really going on. So I think if he was a mature guy, he probably understood that everybody in the building got fired. We didn't win games my rookie year. Who knows what's going to happen? You know what I'm saying? So then when you bring in a coach that, you know, plays once a quarterback with a different skill set, you could probably, you know, see the writing on the wall for yourself. But if you mature, you don't let that stuff affect you, man. You keep working because one thing you do know that you another opportunity can open up and then it can all be forgotten real quick. And uh, from an immature guy's standpoint, I mean, he probably going to be frustrated about everything that's happening because – I mean, it's tough, man, when you're getting recruited and you're getting drafted and everybody's smiling in your face and everybody loving you up and they telling you all these good things and you're hearing all this stuff in the media. You got your family and friends calling you and telling you, uh, oh, yeah, you about to be the best thing since sliced bread. But one thing I always, like, my mom, my older relatives when I was younger, they used to always say, pay attention to what people do, never what they say. Uh, that has stuck with me and it's helped. And it resonates even more so, I feel like, in the NFL. Because in a bottom line business, it don't matter what nobody say. If the bottom line ain't ain't turned in the favor of the business, they're going to always do what's best for the business. And that's, and that don't, they don't care who they affect, how they affect them. And so if you got to get gone, they're going to get you gone. Like, Draymond said, I was watching a little thing on the internet today, and it was, it was talking about Draymond. He was talking about one of the uh, younger Warriors players. And even though it was basketball, I think that – you know, it, it had a it had a meaning in all sports. And he was like, we're always quick to criticize the player and say the player doesn't have what it takes for this and the third. But nobody never looks at the situations of what these guys are put in and what you and feel me. And I think that plays – I think that's huge. Like, we don't do enough of that. Like, everybody want to say it's a, it's a stats-based business. And I, and I get it. It is. When you comparing, like, two great players, but, like, when you losing and – you in a bad situation. There's so much more that going into that than just those numbers reflect. Like, and that's the flow of the game. It's how the game is being played, how you fit in the system, how the team fits, how you correspond with that coach. Do y'all communicate well with each other? Do y'all even understand each other? I think it's just so many different elements. And I kind of feel sorry for Josh Rosen because you can get caught up in this shuffle real quick, man, once you're not their guy. Like, if you're not their guy, you just like everybody else. So that's why a lot of guys try to get guaranteed money. That's the best thing that you got going for yourself in the NFL. You feel me? Because nothing is guaranteed. Nothing is promised. You can be here today, going tomorrow. Once you're in that locker room, you see that. So, I mean, I just think I think it's about his maturity level overall to answer your question. I've heard he's a mature guy from people who has been around him. So, and the little stuff I have, like seeing his interviews and stuff, it seems like he's handling it pretty well. It's just tough. But, like, if I was him, I wouldn't listen to what people say. I would I would come to work, be a professional every day, make sure that I'm doing everything I can to make sure I put my best foot forward. But you got to take what people say with a grain of salt because if, if y'all not playing well, they're going to come for you first. Yeah. It is unfortunate that he get put in these situations, but it happens to a lot of guys, bro. It does, and, I mean, that's really the name of the game. And we've never seen a guy get shipped off so quickly like Rosen, but we know with first-round quarterbacks, they're going to get a whole bunch of chances. But if you're not proven to be that guy around year four or year five, they're going to move on. We're about to see it right now with Marcus Mariota. We just saw him get benched in Tennessee. Ryan Tannehill is going to take over that job now. And Tannehill is a former first-round pick. And, of course, once again, 
We're talking about these guys that are getting a whole bunch of ten, a whole bunch of chances just because of where they were drafted previously, and that's always seemed like a unwritten rule to me. And you know the name of the game; you've been around guys that have or were previously selected in the first round. They're going to get a whole bunch of chances more so than a guy that maybe was a late round guy or an undrafted free agent, just because. For whatever reason, coaches always feel like if a guy struggled early on in his years and he was an early round pick, they're going to give him a whole bunch of chances just because they feel like he was drafted early for a reason and they can unlock maybe what he showed off in college. And you see, <laughs> you put your hand up, so I know I'm pretty sure you got some comments on that. So go ahead. I mean, ego is a real thing, man. And it goes when they want to give a guy numerous of chances because they drafted him high. They also got to protect themselves. You feel me? And then it goes with, you know, the, the rehabilitation projects. Like, I, I felt like, like, part of me feels like that's what was a, a battle, a hidden battle of myself. I don't think it was a directly thing that, that was used against me, but I think it affected the way I was viewed was the perception about me. Like, I didn't really think that would matter as much when you're really talking about winning football games. But in the business, in the, in the, in the, element of making money even though we playing football i think perception has a lot to do with this and i think that's kind of why you seeing like to me these guys kind of getting over evaluated a little bit bro because the quarterback position has always been here to miss but i think now with social media and then now with the spread offense and the way the game has changed i think we're over glorifying production when you, at the end of the day, when you got a team that just line up and play quarters all day because everybody's just spreading you out and I don't have the athletes to keep up. It's a fairly simple college game. And, I mean, you watch some of these college games, these guys doing the wide-open guys, like seven-on-seven seven out there. Yeah. Three-man rushes, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. And so I think the Tennessee is quick to jump on the SEC guys or the, or the, or the big-time guys because you can see them go against that talent. But that don't mean their skill set would translate. You know what I mean? And that's the same thing for a smaller school guy. So – like, I think it's it has really got a lot of these quarterbacks overvalued, some guys undervalued, but I see a lot more guys being overvalued. And I, I think that's where the, the long-term thing with the NFL right now is lacking in regards to quarterback stability. Because you got, like, you got, like, the guys that's been there forever, and then you got this huge gap. But then you got the young guys who – everybody loves but it's like no in-betweeners that's why everybody loves like the andrew lux of the world and those guys because they was the guys that you know were now in a prime it's not a lot of guys yeah. in a prime playing good quarterback right now it's not a lot of guys and i think i think the element of the college game is affecting that and then it's when they get to the league is we're going to use them for what they're good for and if they don't grow like you said we're going to get them up out of here and now the way the contracts are set up, because it's not like the Jamarcus Russell contracts and Sam Bradford's to where I'm not guaranteeing you 40, 50 million up front. It allows me to cut ties with you a whole lot faster. In the fan base, we all, everybody wired now to say, up oh, because of fantasy, up, oh, he ain't production, whatever, anyway. Let me go. No Next young dude, him in Alabama just threw for 300, even though he threw hitches and goals all day. We don't care. He threw for 300, <laughs> four touchdowns, he's going to be number one pick. <laughs> so I just think the perception and the social media, the fantasy, all that has kind of played a role into this, and it's kind of hurting the development of the quarterback position. But you got your silver liner guys, and hopefully they have a long career. But unfortunately, I think one of them who I thought was a guy that liked the old school, 
he got hurt tonight, so hope he all right. <laughs> yeah, I think it'll be fine. And we're talking about Patrick Mahomes, but I told Josh you got to stay ready, man. Might get that call from Andy Reid tonight, so got to be ready. Matt Moore is I'm their ready. backup. Matt Moore's their backup, and we know they're gonna be they're gonna be <laughs> they're gonna be looking for that next guy. If Matt Moore can't can't keep the boat afloat uh, for however long Patrick Mahomes is expected to miss, so we'll see what does happen with that situation. But I did want to ask you: so have you ever been in a situation where a starter goes down? Maybe not in the game that you were playing, but. Have you ever been in a situation where a starter did go down, a notable name starter, and you were called maybe the next day or the next week, and you had to go that next day or that next week and then get on a flight and sign with that team? Were you ever in a situation like that? When Andrew first got hurt, it was the craziest situation I ever, probably the craziest one, bro. So I got, he got, when he had a shoulder issue, first started having a shoulder issue. And then uh, they called me. And they signed me, and then uh, and then we ended up playing the game, and they thought he was going to be healthy. And so they let me go. Like, literally, they had a Thursday night game. They let me go that Monday. Wow. Something, whatever happened, I wasn't there. You know? Then they bring me back. Like, I'm literally on the flight the night before the game. Wow. <laughs> That's crazy. And then we go. I get there. We have night meetings, and then and then, and then Hasselback gets sick off the uh, E. coli from Chipotle, <laughs> <laughs> and I was there. I was there for probably three days. Left, came back, caught a red eye. Got there the next day, ready to play the game. I mean, not the red eye, but the night flight. And then uh, that was probably the craziest situation was that one. The Washington one. The beauty of the Washington one was the fact that I actually played for Jay before. So that was a, like I wasn't walking into like something that was completely new. It wasn't I had been, been in around Jay, so that was a little different. But the the Colts one was crazy, bro. Like they literally called me the day before the game, Tim emailed me the game, game plan. <laughs> I'm studying on the plane. Wow. And like you might have to play them. Man. And I'm like I'm like, and it's crazy because like at now you know years later you reflect back on it and be like, damn, you would have really had to do that. But in the moment, right. you got to really try to – you got to psych yourself out. Like, you got to psych yeah. You don't want to go put yourself – you don't want to go out there and look crazy, even though all the odds are stacked against you, the element, the comfortability factor ain't going to be there. But you still want to go out there and try to, you know, do something with it. Because, I mean, for a guy like me, opportunities come very limited. So, right. I was like, I'm up here trying to get myself mentally locked in, bro, to be like, <laughs> if we go run these – so do they condense the package for you or they they just say man we're gonna run what we want to run and this young dude or this dude got to figure it out just because the game plan is already in i mean and um you gotta no they condense it but you also go through it and be like what you feel comfortable with but you gotta be careful with that too because you might know some stuff but like are you really in rhythm with it? Are you really in tune with it? Are you really and I and that's for something that I learned from playing. I play after I got with Eli. I really he, he helped me really like keep it simple, but be unique. Like like keep keep it simple, but you know within your simple within the simplification of how you're going about your business, 
you be real detail oriented. You will be real diet. Like you can be real unique within the details, but you still want to keep it simple so you're not having to overthink stuff. So, like, I, I got, but you put a playbook in front of me, I'll probably look at the plays and be able to really, okay, I know this, I know this out. But it's just stuff that you, I think you want to be at a step that's going to allow you to play the fastest and put pressure on the defense. I think that's what I've grown to learn, and a lot of that was credit to playing with Eli. That definitely makes sense. I always, I always wondered that just because. I've been through a situation where a coach was fired before, and then, of course, you have an interim head coach that really wants to do his own thing and switch things up a little bit just because that's just what happens. And it goes back to the ego thing that you talked about. Maybe they didn't like some stuff that they were doing in the run game and some concepts that they were running. And I've had one guy that wanted to completely switch up the entire offense. Like, we went from spread to West Coast. So... It was crazy to talk. A whole terminology was different. So I, I wasn't in a situation like you were in, but it was like a weak turnaround to where we completely flipped the script from terminology to cadence to how we read stuff out, one, two, three, four, check down progressions and things like that. So it, it was a bit of a – it was a journey, I will say that. Now, we didn't win many games <laughs> when we did go through that situation, but – it is very similar, and I just can't imagine some of the stuff that you've been through. And I know there's some stories that you probably can't talk about on here, but I'm sure you've been through a whole bunch of crazy things just because of how many stops that you have had to been that you have already went through to this point. And I just can't imagine learning a play or an actual playbook in a quick turnaround as quick as you did, saying that you were on the flight the night before <laughs> before our game. I just can't imagine the things that were going through your head and just how much cramming and studying that you were doing. So I just can't imagine. It's it's really cool to hear some stories about that just because I've never really heard firsthand perspective from an actual quarterback that was in the league that had to go through a situation like that. And I've always wondered exactly like how you get yourself mentally prepared. And if those coaches just say, we're going to run what we're going to run, and this guy has to figure it out on the fly or if they do condense some stuff, which, of course, would be the smart thing to do. But like you said, some coaches have egos and they want to be able to run or have that whole playbook available just because they want to win that game, of course. But they don't really think about their personnel and they don't really cater the exact game plan for the situation that they are actually thrust in. So it was really cool to hear that. But we got to move on to the next topic. And... I want to get your opinions on this, even though it may be a bit touchy, and that's the XFL. And we've seen a whole bunch of leagues, outside leagues, previously come about, and they haven't really survived. The AAF was one that was most recently invented, but it only lasted, I believe, like three months or something like that, just because they didn't have the funding, and they didn't have a lot of money to pay the players. These guys were only making like 45 k or something like that. And that's just like a regular full-time job as opposed to practice squad players in the league making like 500K plus a week. So that just goes to show you how how minimal the pay was for that league. And, that, and the XFL has already come out and said that the max salary for these guys is going to be 50K. So that goes to show you that these guys really aren't making a lot of money, uh, if any at all, especially for the pain that that their body is about to go through. I believe it is an eight-game season, or oh, a ten-game season, excuse me, and they have eight teams. So we'll see how it does end up going. But they have some money behind it, and I think that's the one thing or the one advantage that they have over the AAF. We know Vince McMahon has money, but Oliver Luck, Andrew Luck's dad, who is the commissioner of the league, we know he has he has plenty of money to spend as well. So we'll see if it does end up surviving, even though Vince McMahon tried to bring this thing about 
uh, about a decade ago, and it really didn't work out for him. But now he's brought it back afloat. And I think the NFL really needs a feeder system, but the NFL has never really embraced that type of feeder system like a minor league team, like these baseball teams do have. And I've always wondered why they don't do it, but we know the NFL always wants all of their money just because it, it is a very greedy league. That is no secret about that, and they don't want to share the wealth. So with the XFL, do you think it is going to survive? Or do you think it's just going to be another league that is here one year or two years and then it completely caves in? From a business standpoint, um, what I see, obviously, like you said, they have the money. I think they have a great marketing power. If they have the ability to draw a different kind of fan base to football as well as draw football fans with the whole wrestling thing. So I think that could play a major role because you're talking about all walks of life from young kids to adults who do this, who do wrestling. So I think strategically they have the ability to line things to where they can really capitalize on it. And then you have, I've, I've heard different things about the pay, but I don't really know till you, you never know till it gets real. So you start seeing real contracts created. Um, the coaches fit the mold, got all either like a year removed, a couple years removed, coaches in the league. So you got that element. It's going to be on Fox. I think it's on Fox, right? Yeah, it's yeah. on Fox so and big, Fox yeah. and ABC, I believe. So they got the big net, They got the big network to be on, you know. Like, even if you don't got cable, you can get Fox and NBC. You know what i You got the love. <laughs> so I think you got the ability to draw in that. <laughs> and then from the football side, I think, like, I think it's just hella important right now, bro. And I'm going to be a little biased with this because I'm a guy that feel like, I mean, I got a lot, I got caught up in the shuffle. But I I know for a fact I should be on the roster. And I know I bring a lot of, to the field, especially talent-wise and everything else. I just haven't been in a situation to where I can consistently, you know, show that over and over, which will always just allow a player to grow. But I'm not the only player that's like that, bro. Like, it's a lot of good players out here, so – I think the NFL is like the only sport without a feeder system. And I think that's what hurts. Also, that's what's hurting the brand of football as a whole, because no doubt. like with basketball and baseball, like if, as a kid, if you if you grow up your whole life for a goal and you only get to, to experience it for two years, like that's a huge heartbreak. You don't become an ambassador of this game the way that you should be. But like basketball and baseball, you can go overseas, you can go play in the minor league, so you can still be a part of your career for years to come instead of just getting pushed out the door and never get that and like, you know, getting the rug pulled from underneath you. So I think that plays a major role in the tour as well. And to say like, like, all right, if I don't make it to the league, I got the opportunity to, you know, cause to show growth. Cause like right now to me, it's set up to where if you don't capitalize on your first opportunity in the NFL, the chances of you really getting, ever getting in that, that, that ability to really show what you got is like very minimal obviously through injuries or whatnot you know you can get an opportunity but it won't be will it be the right opportunity will it be something that's really you know where they focused on your development like they do when you're a rookie and you go you know kill the combine and you kill everything else like the nfl right now you gotta check off every box to experience the development process the way that it should be for all players. But I think with the XFL, you got the ability to capitalize on that. And I think the next thing is just, you know, getting the fans involved. Like the NFL do a gay job with the fantasy. And I say, so I think it keeps a lot of fans interacting with the fantasy. And you just want to have like 
I mean, they have to do a great job of marketing the product. The players got to go out there and put a great product on the field. And in spring, I think if all those things come together, it will last. Uh, I don't know how many starters it is, but you got some bigger names who might be in this XFL because it's a higher pay grade. So I think, um, you know, all it takes is with with, with social media and, and, and all these videos and all, all it takes is for a guy to really go out there and showcase something. And then once they take that one guy, then you never know. Like, look at look at the way that what was it, the AFL? Yeah. Yeah. AFL was going, and then you know the NFL had the right, right people at the right time, and then it, the NFL never looked back. No doubt. But I think it. I think fo- football needs a complementary farm system. Um, I get business wise why the NFL don't want no competition. They just want to you know be able to hold it, but. I think if we're talking a long-term game of football, I think it'll, it'll help a lot if a lot more people get to experience the game from not just as a fan, but also get to experience what it's like to be a professional athlete and be able to have a career and be able to go out there and contribute on a weekly basis. That's what NFL Europe used to do for players. Um, you see it in basketball. You see it in baseball all the time. You see guys come from the farm system. And you just don't. Football right now is not structured that way. So I think it has a huge chance. And I'm I'm pulling for the league. I hope it lasts. I'm right there with you, and I'm really hoping it does last. Just because I really think the NFL needs that feeder system and that minor league system, in a sense. And also, it gives extra opportunities, like you mentioned, to guys that maybe aren't getting a fair shot in the league and maybe they can develop and get better in one of those minor league te- minor league systems and eventually get their shot in the NFL. So I will be watching this XF- XFL thing really closely though. And I'm sure we'll see a lot of notable names out there and they had a really big talent pool and you saw some guys that were previous uh, notable names as well. So I will be keeping a definite eye on that, but that is episode five is officially in the books. We had some really good topics today, some great discussions as well. I really hope you guys enjoyed the episode. Real quick, bro. Oh, go ahead. My bad. What you ran in your 40? Oh, um, so in my heyday, my best day, That's I could give you <laughs> I could give you a solid four six in my heyday. Okay. That saw. was probably the best. A little yeah, bit. A little bit. You you yeah, saw my highlights somewhere? I saw some spread highlights. Oh yeah, hey, I could work. I could work the pocket now because I had I had a real young I had a real young offensive line, so I had to keep my head on the swivel. I had to know where all my hots were, of course. So I mean, I, my left tackle was a senior. My left tackle was my best friend. We played in high school together too. We grew up together, so I always had my blind side protected. But the mother four, they was all freshmen and sophomores, so. They was all they was all on my sideline though, right. so it, it was it was a good experience though, man. I really enjoyed my college career and I had fun. I was very successful, so I'm, I'm proud of that. That's good, bro. I just I just wanted to see that because I saw some cutters. I'm like, oh, Jordan out there moving a little bit. Yeah, I was I was alright. My stats wasn't great, but <laughs> it is what it is. But what? But like I said, that is episode five. I had this stats in college, bro, but my teammates was played a major role. In that's when I knew it. I was spoiled. That's what matters most. That's what matters most. But thank you guys for fighting through. Of course, we had an extra co-host tonight, as you can tell in the background. But thank you guys for, for fighting through with us. This is the Josh and Jordan Podcast. Make sure you subscribe on iTunes and every single platform that 
you so choose to do so. Once again, we'll be back again next week with plenty of other topics that will pop up around the NFL. So thank you guys for listening, and we will see you again next week.